Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians over the last 48 years. My guest today is the wonderful comedian, Mr. Joe Jacobs. Yeah! Thank you. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right, my friend. How are you? All the better for seeing your smiling grill. Well, <laughs> it's a pleasure. And thank you so much for being a great guest. I'm I'm so looking forward to our chat. I haven't been the guest yet. You don't know. Well, no, it's great that you're here. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take so, that. so we're going to go right back to the start and tell yes. me how did you become a comedian in the first place, please? Uh, how did I become a comedian? Well, I'd say it was mostly out of sheer desperation and just a desire to... That's, I just wanted that connection. I really felt like I at least had to give it a try and that I was destined to tit about on a stage. <laughs> that's the most perfect answer. <laughs> and that's what happened, really. Like, so, uh, so, so what year are we talking about? I think it was, I want to say 2011, maybe. Right. 2010. Yeah. I thought about doing it for many years. And... Uh, did you have a job before you became a comedian or? Oh, yeah, I had loads of jobs. Lots yeah. Of jobs. And um, I did music since 2008, made music. So I right. had performed, but didn't do stand-up. It took me a while to get the courage to do stand-up. Yeah. And what made you go into it then? Was it Was it just something you'd always wanted to have a go at? Well, man, it just seemed like the best the best possible job I could imagine really to be able to do that. And um, I didn't, I wouldn't say I was like a comedy savvy person. I didn't really know many stand-ups. I knew I really liked Jack D when I was a kid. Yeah. Like Jerry Sadowitz when I was a kid, I had those two VHS and that was about it really. Uh, it's quite, that's quite a good couple though, I'd say. Well, exactly. What a, what a, what an intro into it. Yeah. 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 My grandfather bought me the Sadowitz one. Right. It was the fluorescent green cover? It's really good. I was about, I was about ten. <laughs> brilliant! That's brilliant. I think it was so, so a perfect introduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw that and like Jack D, similar sort of time, and I just wanted to know how they were doing it. I didn't, I couldn't compute how it was happening because, especially with actually the pair of them, they seemed so angry and miserable to be there. So I was like, why? How has this happened? How are the cameras there? How is everything they're saying so funny when they seem so miserable? I, thought, I, think, I, want, a, I, I want a bit of this. Yeah, I think I think half of it is is that um, they can say whatever they like, and 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 that's the wonderful thing about it. And 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 if they can make a, any sentence funny, it's amazing to sit and watch because I've sat and seen loads of them over the years, and particularly those two stand out that you've that, that you that you've picked on. Yeah. Um, so please describe your first gig. So 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 it's 2011 and you're happily going along in your music and somebody says to you, yeah, would you fancy doing stand-up comedy? And that was it, was it? It wasn't actually that. It was um so so yeah, I'd started thinking about doing it and I went to the fringe a couple of times as a punter, you know, and right. as, as a punter, going to the Edinburgh Fringe is like a dream, you know, and then little did I know going as a performer is a nightmare, but that's to come. 
But when I went as a uh, punter man, I was just like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was just like a whole world opened up. And um, we were introduced to a mutual friend who was doing a one-man show. And when I figured out, like, because this was the time I realized, wow, there's like a whole ecosystem of comedians and comedy. And like, this can take you to a festival. And, you know, I didn't even know about comedy clubs or anything. And um, yeah. so when I got back to London, I, I got in touch with the guy who did the one-man show a guy called Dougie Hastings. I don't think he's about anymore. Right. I didn't really know Dougie, but I said, look, wherever you do stand-up comedy, next time you go, take me because I want to do it. And um, he did. He took me to the Lion's Den, which was in its old venue in King's Cross, Cross Keys, I believe. And when I did my first show, it was the last ever show of Lion's Den in that venue. Wow. So it was a full house. There's probably a couple hundred people there, you know, and um, I was getting ready to do my dog shit five minutes i'd like poured over for weeks and um tim Randall, rest in peace the owner of lion's den he saw how frantic i was and he just said look stop worrying i'll put you on next because he would pull it out of a hat so he didn't ever know when you're on yeah <laughs> he saw one look at me and he just goes look stop freaking out i'll just get you on next okay i was like cool and um i went on i don't remember much about it but i was obviously terrible um but a couple people said some nice things afterwards so i was like okay I could do this again. And then I went back and then had a proper death the next time when I wasn't introduced as a newbie. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and there must have been a point where you thought, I can do this. I, c I can make a career out of this. Well, I wouldn't say that for many years, but, mm. you know, those first five, six years, a lot, yeah. lot of ups and downs and a lot of soul searching right in the beginning because you have your expectations of where you want to be as a performer and like, you know, your tastes of comedy is always good, but then the reality meets the expectation, you know, so you just have to really push through. Um, what I've asked many a comedian that has been on the podcast is um, it's all about experience. You have to have a bad gig to be a better comedian. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I would yeah. say anybody that's, my advice for any new comedian is particularly in like the first few years, I would do any show possible and make stage time an absolute priority, no matter where it is, anything, because you can be a bit more discerning as the years go on and you're a bit better. But in the beginning, don't, I wouldn't turn my nose up at any show. I do all sorts because yeah. it makes you have that stagecraft and that experience that's so vital in the beginning. Cause you can't really, you can't force that. You can't, um, what's the word? You can't fake that. You know, you really need to be in the trenches and be in some absolute hell holes and come out of it swinging or not. <laughs> you know, so, um, also, when you do bad shows, like really bad ones, you appreciate good ones when they come along. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, so, was it a case of um, doing five minute spots in pubs and taking friends along? for support and you did that and then you built up to 10 and 20s and things like that yeah pretty much like yeah. like I said I didn't I didn't really know uh I didn't really know the the route you're supposed to take as a comedian it was all so new to me I didn't go into it with any sort of plan I sort of did it as I went along so yeah I, I kind of started cobbling together a five minutes then a 10 and all that really propelled me was that I just wanted to be better. Yeah, yeah. 
that was really the priority. And then I then I learned about competitions and stuff and progression and all that sort of stuff. But in the beginning, I just wanted to be good. What's your view on comedy competitions? Do you think they're a good thing? Uh, well, they're certainly a good thing because they get your name out there and they can give you, you know, opportunities. You can get signed. You can get other work from it. Um but they're also quite stressful and can be, they have their own negatives. Like, you know, it's not good to be pitted against your peers in that way and like wish everybody to be terrible so you can win, which is what I did most shows, you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I wish I'd, uh, I wish I hadn't rushed into doing the competitions. Right. Because when I think back, I, the nerves always got to me in competitions and I never really, I never really smashed it because I was kind of pandering. I felt to what I assumed they might want rather than being true to myself. So if I'd have yeah, just that's... waited and, until I knew a bit more about what I, what it is I'm trying to do up there, I think I would have been a better comedian and a, maybe could have won a competition. I was in the finals of most of them, but I'd say I was pretty average. In fact, I had a pretty scathing Chortle review from one of my competition finals. It's in the past, my friend. Um, uh, what I wanted to say to you is uh, um, I've seen you very recently at 21 Soho with Comedy Club, and I was so impressed because I thought there was a not you weren't only very funny, but there was a degree of originality there. I loved the um grimness of life the 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 depreciation in in your comedy but then you then you burst into rap and and that was extraordinary there was there was a lot of um you re, you reminded me of the comedian Stephen Wright very much so okay. and, and 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 he was very dour and and it was it, it, it was so wonderful and and everybody who we were with they were gripped at what you were going to say or do next so well done it was a superb performance that night thank you man that's so kind yeah it was a good night i don't know Stephen um, very well i have to check him out oh he's well very similar but but but, but without the rapping um yeah. uh how how did the rapping come about? How did you decide to merge the two together? Um, well, like I said, I did rap before comedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was always doing them side by side, and I wasn't really enough of a strong, strong enough comic to bring in the music in a way that felt authentic. So it took quite a few years before I just thought, let's just try it. And I I wanted to... Yeah, I just experimented with the songs that I had and figured out what could work and what might not work. And um, yeah, it was like a, it's a slow process because I like to have, I don't like to make musical comedy per se. I like to make music that's funny, that works in the set. So there are things I could do, which I choose not to do because it would be like a bit of a safe kind of pedestrian way of approaching it. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I have a lot of respect for hip hop, so I don't want to, belittle it and you know make it kind of lame so i don't you know i don't pander to an audience either i just do a rap song it's not like a slowed down yeah kind of duh, 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 duh. i kind of just do what i do and if they if they don't catch it then i'm sorry well it does work my friend we were we were we were amazed with it um uh yes. tell me about your writing process then for a routine or a show do you um 
base it on certain themes that are happening or things that have happened to you? How how do you approach the writing process? Well, there's a bit of everything, really, because, you know, um, it can be whatever you want it to be. Sometimes I get, I try and, like, uh, take a bite out of a popular issue of the day or something that's a bit current, or it could be something that's personal to me and that has significance, like an issue that, I want to cover um, or yeah, it might just be sort of story based things that have happened to me, ex experiences that I want to condense into a set. It's really everything. I don't really have a plan. It's yeah. very freeing in that respect. You can just make it whatever you want. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's the magic of it. I think, because as I say, what you've got is the originality because when you walk out onto the stage once you've got the microphone in your hand, you can basically say anything you like. And and once you've got an audience with the originality, with the rapping or whatever it is, you can then you've got them. And they, and we were totally focused on the performance. It was it was it was a unique thing to see. Nice one. Well, it doesn't always go that way, but it was a good show you saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what to date? What's been your best and worst comedy gig? I can't imagine somebody like you having a bad gig. Oh, I've had some bad gigs. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> I've had some bad ones. I've had a bad one quite recently, actually. Um, my best gig would probably be when I was on Harry Hill on Channel 4. That was a nice day. Oh, mate, brilliant. He's such a good bloke, isn't he? Ah, yeah, he's the he's the best. Yeah. That was like, um, you know, that was like a, just a perfect day, nice show. Just yeah, it was just a great time. Uh and was this on his comedy club night that he had on the television? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think I saw you because I because I saw all the episodes in it and I remember you now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in that. That was a good day. What other good shows? Uh you know, like no particular ones really jump out. It's just when it's more more about places, really. Like, yeah, so clubs have are just a, a joy to play at. You know, I love Top Secret. I love playing yeah. the store. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'd say Harry Hill was a was a big moment. You know, it was a big deal for me to for it to for, to go on TV and for it to be something else. Happening. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. What about what about the worst one? What about the worst one? How much time you got, Rich? Well, please, we've got, we've got a lot of time. I can't imagine it being that bad. <laughs> uh, the worst shows. Um, there's just loads. Like, I mean, the whole of my 2016 Edinburgh run was pretty terrible. Wow, what? I was quite. I was quite. That was it. The audiences. The show was bad. The, oh. the venue was bad. Uh, the comedian was bad. Oh dear! And I remember one day, one a reviewer came one night on one of the worst nights ever. I was like so hungover, I was just a mess. I think I'd had, I might have had my my girlfriend at the time bought me a massage because it was really near the end of the fringe. So she bought me a massage to sort of help me de-stress, and it was yeah, yeah. It really really did the job. But I had one more show left to do, so it was like I was on heavy medication. I just couldn't. I just couldn't get through it. That was a bad show. But one time a reviewer came one night. And it wasn't great. And then the next day he came back and I was like, oh, wow, repeat business. This is great. But he just said, oh, no, I forgot my coat. That was oh, great. no. Oh, <laughs> that, was a, that was a good moment. Uh, what else? Uh, bad shows. 
I did a show in Amsterdam once and this bodybuilder was at the back and he was threatening to murder me during the show, like like <laughs> vocally, like saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you after the show. And wow. the I was at the back and I was like, are you, is, that, is anything going to happen with this? Should I just carry on? And he was too scared. So I sort of started making fun of the bodybuilder. So everybody's laughing. Everyone's having a great time, but the show's going well, but I am concerned that I will be murdered shortly afterwards. Wow. I've left very quickly afterwards. Uh, a lot of the time, the bad gigs are the ones that are just mediocre. If you're just flat, yeah, that's actually worse than a death. Because if you die, you can at least go down swinging and amuse yourself. <laughs> it's just if you're actually trying your best and they hate you, you're getting very m- muted response. That's actually worse than a proper. Terror. I can imagine if if there's any consolation. Um, uh, I've, as I say, I've been watching stand-up comedy for 50 years, nearly 50 years, but um, I once had to go at it myself to get it out of my system. And uh, I knew a promoter who um, said that there was a gong show, which was the worst thing you, you could do from day one. But 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 he said, go and have a go. So um, uh, uh, I wrote this script about me being accident prone driving around in carlisle which is my home city and he loved it and and he said right he said you've got three minutes and within those three minutes if they gong you off you have to walk up so i walked out there was three people in the crowd and uh the first line i had was um good afternoon ladies gentlemen people think i look like eddie the eagle uh, edwards the ski jumper but i can't see the resemblance myself now, when I was at college, I was his absolute double, and I thought, this is a fail-safe. Some bloke just at the back went, fuck off, me off. I lasted about 10 seconds, and I was so dejected, and the promoter went, have another guy. I said, no, no, I think my time is in the audience. And uh, it's so big. I'd never say never. very nice of the guy to do that if there was only three of them. <laughs> it was really <laughs> never say never again them. but you never know and and I've done, about- I've done all the gong shows man they don't really they're completely arbitrary the act is the audience for those shows you know yeah 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 it doesn't really matter no no you're just gonna blow up um uh talking about harry hill i first met harry hill 30 years ago and he was downstairs at the king's head he was headlining it and he was late for the show and um, he brushed past me, climbed up onto the stage, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry I'm late. I had to have a testicle brought down and got a laugh. And then he said, from Derby. And to this day, it was it's the best opening line I've ever heard. And when I met him, um, he's, I told him this, and he said, oh, Rich, he said, I, I still use this line to this day. <laughs> he's wonderful. And it's so great that he's come back from the television and doing all the clubs again, you know, so, so it's lovely. Yeah, he's amazing. He's great. He's, he's, he's a, great a terrific lion. comedian. Oh, excuse me. Um, so we touched on nerves before. Um, how do you cope with nerves, any nerves before you go on stage? Do you get nervous or um, how, how, how does that work? Do you have a routine to combat nerves? Um, well, in the beginning, nerves are a huge issue when, you, when yeah. you're starting out and the gigs are getting bigger and more important and you're putting so much pressure on yourself and you're you know making them seem so important but if you keep progressing and keep doing it eventually you find that you don't actually have the time to be nervous you just have yeah, to yeah. get on with it 
eventually yeah. it sort of goes away. So I don't get too nervous these days. And if I do, I might meditate if I'm particularly stressed in the day or you kind of take a moment to realize what the, what the emotion is. Cause usually the nerves are kind of excitement. If you actually think about, if you contextualize why you're feeling like this, if, unless you're in a competition or it's real high stakes or people are coming to watch you or something, but usually you can just sort of channel what you feel into a bit of excitement. If you yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Not easy, but. Would you say, would you say that once you, uh, start talking into the microphone the nerves go um more often than not yeah yeah but yeah it's definitely the majority of any concerns go when you take to the stage certainly mm -hmm. when you just get a feel for how it's going to be but if it's a rowdy audience or you know things aren't going well then the nerves will come back yeah, yeah. <laughs> like especially so, in the early so, days in, in a competition final or something and it, yeah if, you're, if your opening joke doesn't land as well as it should then you're probably a bit nervous and you're in for a rough ride it's so it's so fascinating because um before the before my blog appeared the most creative thing i ever did apart from the blog and the podcast i wrote a play uh, which uh, we raised a lot of money for comic relief and i, I wrote it initially for edinburgh and uh, it was me and my mate, and um, uh, it, it's it's called The Applicant. It's basically about me coming down from Carlisle to London. I've never had a job in my life before. I've got a successful girlfriend, and it was a series of job interviews. And this thing went really well, but the first night we did it, I ran out, and I'd written monologues because I was the only one waiting in the waiting room, and I forgot my lines, and I wrote the thing. <laughs> And it was just like, this is 10 weeks of rehearsal and gone down. The as soon as my mate came on, because he played all different interviewers, we we bantered off each other and it worked really well. But um, I've never forgotten that. And I, and I think it must be the same. I don't know. It must be the same with the comedians, because you see them all with the things written on, notes written on the hands and stuff as they're learning the new material. But you get to a point where it must become second nature. It does. I only had yeah. one instance where I, I remember it. It was in Comedia, actually. I I had a complete brain freeze and lost, wow. uh, forgot everything, and it took me, wow. a couple, yeah, took me a couple of seconds to just remember anything. But I don't think it was visible to anyone else. But I, it, my brain just literally malfunctioned just for a couple. That's of seconds. awful. Yeah, you made, you were all right. Yeah, I was fine. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that 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 is extraordinary. Um, we touched before on Edinburgh. Yeah. I am very fortunate uh, to be able to go to Edinburgh every year. It's my main holiday, and uh, I go for a week and I see fifty shows plus. Wow. And everybody comes along. I do an enormous spreadsheet. I absolutely love it. I first went in twenty oh five, and the only two I missed were the two with the pandemic. Um. Tell me about your experiences of Edinburgh. Has it helped your career? Um, have you been going year after year? Um, when did you first go? We must. You were saying it was about 2011-12, was it, that you first went? Yeah, I used to go, to like 2009-2010, I used to go with a friend every year yeah. for a weekend and we'd get absolutely shit hammered and watch a load of shows. <laughs> and we'd watch good shows, bad shows. It was just great. And then um, I did my 
first debut 2016 it was a bit of a rough one because like I said I, I, uh, I wasn't really from that world and it was all very alien and new to me so the yeah going up for a month and not really I was probably a bit depressed at the time and not really like uh, confident and comfortable enough with what I was trying to achieve up there so it was very right. daunting and again you put a lot of pressure on yourself as a comedian in the competitions in sets. So imagine being in Edinburgh and it's like a month long competition and you want to do well. And you, you know, no one goes to the fringe really thinking they're bringing up something mediocre. You know, I thought my show was good. I thought I'm a good act. I'm, you know, I'm ready for this, but it will put you through your paces a month at the fringe. You know, you'll, you'll experience everything. You'd be happy, crying, laughing, depressed, angry, jealous yeah everything it's mm -hmm. uh i've said before like i even feel like the city itself is born out it's like even it's even an oppressive place like a lot of cobbled streets raining <laughs> constantly scottish people are like the best funniest people so the the, the, the heckles are absolutely savage when they come along like, <laughs> you know it's just a, it's a rough training ground so I did get a lot out of it. You, you do become a stronger act when you have so much stage time, but eventually it's good to have like a rough plan about what yeah, you want yeah. to do with the show, whether you want to tour it or what you're trying to achieve from the month. So have, yeah, you, have you been year after year? I did 2016 and then that was a rough one. So I went back at 2017 for a bit of redemption with a new show. And I did that. That was, that was a good year. That was fine. Yeah. And then I went back 2019 with another show. And I was planning to have a year off and then do the following year. And then the pandemic happened. So everybody had a year off. And, and I, didn't, I didn't go last year. And I'm not sure when I'll be back, to be honest. I'm gonna... Well, I'd love to see you there because you are a talent. There is no doubt. And all my friends would love to see you. Um, would you say that... Um, uh, sorry, did, did you do... When you, when you first went up there, were they all hour-long shows? Or did you do... Did you share a bill with comedians or or, or did, was it straight into the hour-long show that you went? Yeah, I kind of did like a split thing with a newer act for like a fortnight one year. Right. Like very loose. Like it really wasn't even a full month and it didn't, I wouldn't say it even counted. So then I went up with my first hour. Uh, yeah, pretty much off the bat. And I had some management at the time, but they, they probably weren't what I needed at that time. So right. I kind of was a bit alone with it and trying to work it all out myself so yeah i should have waited again and like really been prepared it, it's all experience my friend you 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 learn as you go along doesn't matter what you're doing agree it's, it's as simple as that um today what do you think has been your comedy highlight uh my comedy highlight really if i had to tell you today it's just being able to to do it and to take stock that I'm where I am at. I can play, I, I'm booked at some of the, the best clubs. I've done a bit of, uh, it's taken me all around the world. I've got great friends. It's a nice community. I'm lucky. So I'd say that's, yeah, the, that's about that's, it. That's, that's brilliant. And and do you get booked? Can you, can you tell me the process of how you get booked into a comedy night? Do... do do, does it is it handled all by your agent or do you say i want to go here and do this or, or, or yeah, what? Well, 
I never really had an agent handling my live. So right. live stuff has all been really myself just grafting and getting to know clubs and kind of just working and getting the name about. It's been a very slow process sometimes, but yeah, you know, I, I, I do weekends at the store, but my first experience at the store was beating the comedy King Gong show at like 2012. So I'd really been around that for a long time. You've like, been on the bigger one to me. <laughs> That's right. But like I, you know, I, I did that. I beat, beat that gong three times and won it the third Good time. Man. I was doing five minute spots and 10 minute spots. And yeah. You know, I really, that really didn't happen overnight, that one. So there's no real, um, way to get in with clubs just be good and be consistent and hope for the best really it's it's wonderful to go to live in london because um the wealth of comedy clubs is extraordinary i'm a, I'm a regular at always be comedy i'm a regular at headliners i'm a regular at the comedy store yeah. the first ever comedy store bill i saw was when i first came down in 1988 and it was phil jupiter linda smith Patty Hayridge, Steve Gribbin, and the headliner was uh, somebody called Charles Fleischer, who was never heard of again because he went to Hollywood and voiced Roger Rabbit. It was an amazing story. And it's like, what a deal that was. And he was a very visual comic, a bit like Lee Evans. Mm. And um, it's it's wonderful watching comedians like yourself because the another reason for the for writing the blog and the podcast and everything is watching the comedians grow you know yeah. so every every time i go and see somebody i always make a point of writing the um venue where i've seen them and anything specific that's happened to me or the other comedians performance and it's wonderful watching them develop you know i i i, I saw michael mcintyre in a hut Edinburgh before he was famous. I saw Peter Kay on a bill of five acts before he was famous. Wow. I laughed so hard I missed the fifth act. He was fourth on. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's it, it's just been extraordinary um, watching you all develop in this amazing field. Um, who are your favourite comedians, past and present? Uh, my favourite comedian is Norm Macdonald, I'd say. Oh, superb. Yeah. Yeah, he's my favourite. Why is that? It's just uh, that, that's just a man that just oozes comedy from every pore. Everything he does and says is funny. When I need to be cheered up, I just watch him talk bollocks in an interview. <laughs> Doesn't even need to. He's there's so it's so rare to find a comedian that can make anything funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can, I, he I can make anything. He can make anything funny, and like to see it is is it's uh yeah, it's like sorcery, man, because. You know, you think you know the levers people pull when they're trying to be funny, but Norm is operating on a completely different plane to everybody else, I think. Uh, it's such a good shout because he is a fantastic comic. There's no yeah, doubt. He's, about he's the greatest. And I was devastated when he passed away. I was. Yeah, watching, yeah, yeah. It was, I was all. Awesome. Uh, Tom Ward at Live at the Apollo. He was doing his Live at the Apollo set. And my phone started popping off because everyone knows I'm a big Norm fan. And I couldn't believe it. I was devastated. No. Sad day, very sad day. But just the way that he 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 left, you know, like because he was unwell for a while and he was still making everybody laugh. He didn't let anybody know he was struggling. I mean, that really says a lot about the man, I think. Exactly. But but what a talent, you know, and 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 thank God for 
streaming and DVDs and all the rest of it, that you can still watch them. You know, it's it's mm. it's very sad when all these comedy heroes depart. Um, have, you, have you got any more other, other comedians? Uh, I mean, I love Jerry Seinfeld. Good shout, yeah. He's a, I mean, that's a consummate comedian. Like, that's a very efficient, officious joke writer. You know, he's 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 got to be up there. I like, I'm a big Chris Rock fan. Early Chris yeah. Rock, I like like Chappelle. Early Chappelle, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I like I like Jim Jeffries when I was starting oh, brilliant. comedy. Yeah. I wanted to be Jim Jeffries when I was starting comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, I like Stuart Lee. Yeah. And then there's a lot of new people that are my friends that are amazing as well. Yeah, good, the man. Next generation, like, uh, let me shout out people I know that are great. Like, Tom Ward, I mentioned. Red yeah. Richardson's good. Oh, he's brilliant. Who else? There's a bunch. I mean, I don't want to give them too much attention, but yeah, those two. Well, there you go. Who's some good women I like? I like Katie Green. I like yeah. Eric Eler. She's new and good. Yeah, I like Sam Campbell. Yeah. People. Jamali Maddox also. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, man. It's on and on and on, isn't it? Yeah. Did you did you grow up with comedy? Was the comedy in the household? Well, I liked I like watching funny stuff, and I mentioned some of the things I I watched things I probably shouldn't have done from a young age. uh, That probably shaped my comedy tastes because I remember even from young I was watching kind of weird stuff. Like I was really into. Like those late night Channel Four comedies are like, yeah. like <laughs> stuff like. Do you ever remember Crapston Villas? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely, like loved it. it was brilliant. <laughs> weird stuff. I like weird. I like the weirdest. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I always remember when I first saw um, Vic Reeves' Big Night Out, yeah, and I was yeah. just flicking through the channels, and I thought, "What the hell is this?" And you couldn't stop. But watch it. It was extraordinary. And I love weird shit like that. And Crafton Villas is a classic example. Yeah, I'm stuck in the 90s in all kinds of ways. I think the 90s was good for comedy. A lot of shit as well, but yeah, yeah. Stuff going yeah. On too. There's a there's a, a section in my uh blog called The Ones That Got Away. And I've written about 25 comedians who have either passed on or I haven't had a chance to see. And um, the the top of the tree for me was Markham and Wise because in the seventies, um, I can remember age. Well, I was born in sixty seven. I can remember about age five. Uh, everybody in the, in our family, all ages, just laughing at them. And I and I thought these two are amazing. And I never got chance to see them, but um, uh, I saw the two Ronnies. I saw Les Dawson. I saw Ken Dodd. I saw Tommy Cooper all live and that's what gave me the the bug it started right and the whole thing started off right as a spreadsheet and then through into the 80s with the alternative boom i saw ben elton rick mail french and saunders frank skinner and then right up to the um 21st century arena comics and and uh, but i also support up and coming comics as well I, i love to go to um free comedy nights and and find the next best thing. And this is where we stumbled across your good self because um, you were on the bill. And as soon as you walked on, I thought, this guy is hilarious. So well done again, because um, I, I, you, you certainly um, 
gave us the um, initiative to go and watch you again, with, without a doubt. We're so looking forward to it. Um, have you done any online gigs as opposed to live gigs? And what do you think of online gigs? I tried to avoid them. I did a couple for money, I think, or because I was right. obligated. Yeah. They're not quite the same. Like, um, yeah, I think it was like a just a pretty bleak time for comedians. Uh, it was. It was horrible. Are you are you happy with this? Do you, do you mind talking to me? Are you happy to talk to me? Of course. I like doing any interviews. It's fine. Any interviews. It, but I know I know what you mean about um online in uh, uh, online comedy um if my view is that if it's done well yeah. it's okay it's 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 a wonderful substitute to the live thing when yeah. when we're all in lockdown i was sitting here and when they were trying to get it going they 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 were all there but there was no audio so with my loud laugh, I was just sitting here and I was laughing away at them. And I thought it was going to be taken away. There was people on the walls banging away and stuff. And then <laughs> the audio and the comics, you could see who could do it, were trying to time the jokes and chatting to the audience and everything. So Always Be Comedy was very good at doing it, still is. Um, I used to go to An Irishman Abroad with Charlotte Regan's one. I used to go to Sean James's Happy Mondays one. And there's a very good one with Boothbury Graffo where he had his guitar for a prop for the songs. So when so when it worked, it worked well. But for me, it can't be live. There's something about being in the moment and just having a few beers with your mates and then going into a comedy club, sitting down and saying, right, make me laugh. And... and it, it's just wonderful. It's of its moment. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, that's the thing. Like, you can't really bottle how a, a good live show feels. You have to yeah. be it's very much about being present, and it's a great escape for everyone. Like, I'm, I still love it. As nothing beats it, man. I'm just lucky. Yeah. Great, great experience. If you feel as though you've had a difficult gig. Does it dwell on you or do you forget it the next day and move on? I mean, it depends how bad, but yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you'll carry the chains of it forevermore, but <laughs> uh, sometimes, yeah, you just charge it to the game and just keep going. It's the best way. Just The reason the reason why I ask it was um, two, two stories come to mind. One is Sarah Millican who said, if you ever you have a bad gig, the next day, wake up, Forget about it and move on. But the and and your next one is waiting for you. But the mm. the funniest one was Ken Dodd, where he was describing a laugh, and he said um, Freud described a laugh as, and then he went into this great elongated sentence, and then at the end of it all, he went, "Mind you, ladies and gentlemen, Freud never played Glasgow Empire on a Friday night." <laughs> Yeah, and it's such a. I've never been. I've always wanted to go because it can't be that bad. <laughs> probably was in his day. I imagine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but it. But it, um, this is what I was asking about: where you go to your, um, how do you decide where you're going to play? Because um, are there areas? So, so for example, if you go on tour, do you find different areas all over Britain? you play to different audiences and you adapt your material to them. Is yeah, that a fair point? I don't know if you like you, yeah, you would, you adapt to the environment. I wouldn't adapt to like individuals. I kind of want it to be universal. And I can't, if you, 
if you pander too much to an audience, what you're doing, then it's going to dilute your act. So you can't pander yeah. too much, but you certainly have to be in the moment and go with what's happening in the room and the people present and the situation, like the world at large, you know, it all matters. And yeah, every show is different. Yeah, 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 good. Yeah, it's good. Um, and like me, uh, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? You know what? I don't go to enough of them because I feel like I've ruined stand-up comedy for myself. You know, <laughs> like if I watch a show, I'll be sitting there like stroking my chin, thinking, "Yeah, that was good." Yeah. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Please like, don't get yeah. jealous. <laughs> so I don't watch enough, but um. So yeah, sometimes you you'll see a show. So I do like watching hour-long shows when I can for people that I you know want to support and people yeah. I'm interested in. And when a comedian is able to get you out of your own head and really show you how it's done and be original and do some stuff you you've never seen before, that's really something special. So yeah, I, I kind of I will see comedy just for that. Yeah, I hope that, that will happen because when it does, it's, it's amazing. If you are on a bill of comedians would you stay and watch the other acts no of course not i'm out now no, of course i will i'll watch them all definitely yeah. i love it i love to see what everyone's doing especially if it's a a bit of a lively one i want to see how they cope out there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, i'll watch people for sure i love comedy good man don't we all it's 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 the most wonderful art form um i've so much enjoyed chatting to you um, is there Likewise. anything else you would like to say before we go? Are you writing any books? Have you got any TV shows? Have you got a tour coming up? What's Man, I wish I had any of those thing? things at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I, got, um, I might be shooting like a little show. So I've got a mailing list at joejacobs.website and I'm a rapper. So I've got a, an album out at the moment. It's called Moose Solutions. That's on Spotify. My rap name is Jester Jacob, so you might find that if you're into hip hop. I don't, I don't, I, I'm assuming you're not a rap fan. I love it. I love, I, I, I love all forms of music. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. I've got one here for you. I wrote it during the lockdown. Look at the album. This is amazing. Look at this. Yeah, it's called Moose Solutions. That's fantastic. You can buy it. You can stream it. It's everywhere. Well, I wish you all the best with that. I really do. Um, uh, and um, what's your uh, social media handle again? My social media is at Jester Jacobs. I know you on all the social media sites. Yeah, I'm on Instagram probably the most and YouTube. Right. Yeah. Good man. Well, I, for one, cannot wait to come and see you again soon live. It was Look such an impressive performance. Thank you so much, man. Really and, appreciate uh, it. Thank you so much for being a great guest. I've much enjoyed talking to you. Peace, brother. All the best to you. See you later.